everybody. Thanks for coming out tonight. Okay, we got an hour here. The book of Luke. The book of Luke. Talk to all my kids today. Everybody's doing good. They're either in school or they're making money, which is what every father wants. If you're not learning to make money, I want you making money. <laughs> that sounds awful, Carl. Well, you get six kids, you'll think about that. I love you, but I want you to be blessed and move away. Praise God. Then come back and visit and bring food. Amen. Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Here's where we're going to go tonight. Uh, we talked about being blessed or broke last night. Uh, Sunday morning we talked about a vision. You've got to have a vision. What are you doing? Where are you going? They really ought to start in childhood. Parents ought to be asking, you know, what are you going to do when you grow up? I know I got asked that a lot when I was young. and I thought, well, maybe it's a southern thing. I don't know. But you couldn't go to a family reunion or a Christmas event or an Easter event. Couldn't go to church without a family member getting you aside. I don't care if you're 5 or 12 well, Joe Allen, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I used to hate that. I don't know. I'm just trying to watch Roy Rogers and drink some chocolate milk, eat cheese sandwiches, go play in the woods with my buddies. And so, you know, and my mom would get on to me, son, you need to answer. Well, so I don't know what I want to be. I don't know. I mean, how many options are there? Now, even when I was in high school in the 60s, we would have career day, and it was very limited. You know, you'd have a fireman and a policeman, an electrician and a plumber. And very seldom, we'd have an insurance agent. I always came, Larry Sharp's father. He sold insurance our whole life. And he'd come talk about being an insurance salesman, none, none of which seemed very, you know. I mean, you know, when you're in high school, you want to have fun. Get a date. Suck the lips off somebody's face. Score a touchdown. Hit a home run. You know, you don't think about the future because nobody really talks to you about that. And I think where the Jewish race has done much better than all the others is that they realize money is real important because without money you don't do anything or go anywhere because if you're Jewish, nobody likes you. And so you can't go get a job. You have to hire people, not get hired. And that's why they've done so well, because they have been persecuted. And, you know, persecution will produce some good things if you will let it. And so uh, I remember I just start making up stuff, you know. And finally I realized, well, this isn't going to work anymore. And, and then I went to University of Tennessee for a year, uh, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And, and uh, they didn't kick me out. They just didn't let me come back. <laughs> they, 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 they didn't kick me out. But they wrote a letter saying I could never come back for reasons I won't ever tell, but there were legal reasons. And so uh, I got married, and uh, I realized I'm only getting paid for what I know and what I do. And according to my paycheck, I don't know anything, and I can't do anything. So I had to go back to night school to learn something. And uh, so I eventually became an engineer, and I loved my work, and uh, did that for 12 years. Then God called us into uh, the ministry, so we sold our house, quit our job, and moved off to Tulsa, go back to Bible school, got a job on a church staff, and and uh, the starting salary there was about less than it was when I first started out working in electrical industry. I thought, man, these people don't pay much. And uh, I thought, if God's so good and so big, they sure don't pay much. Just trying to be honest with you, you know. And I, I'd heard about that vow of poverty, but I wasn't planning on taking one. Y'all never heard of that? All these ministers talking about a vow of poverty? Not me. Everybody I've ever read about in the Bible from Jehoshaphat to David was filthy, stinking rich. Solomon's filthy, stinking rich. He was so rich, he piled up silver like gravel outside the city because he had so much gold. I'm not making that up. That's true. So, well, your people were filthy, stinking rich. Where's this vow poverty scripture at? You know, I never could find it. And then, of course, you know, when you can't afford to eat and can't buy clothes for your kids and your tennis shoes are wore out and your house isn't big enough, your car's not big enough, and transmission's leaking, the refrigerator door won't stay shut, dryer door won't stay shut, and... You know, dog's sick because it needs a shop. You can't afford it, so you just kind of pet it real good. <laughs> I'm not making that up either. Buried a few of those, you know. 
So we can afford a vet today. We go hire. We got a good vet fixes our animals for us. And uh, anyhow, I realized I don't I don't like this. And I remember when I heard uh, I watched Oral Roberts on TV when I was five years old on the big black and white TV, and he was preaching some crusade. I thought, man, who is this guy? Man, he's laying hands on people and praying for the sick. I thought, man, that now that. He's kind of loud and proud, but I think that'd be like what God would be doing. He'd be going around. I mean, I was in church all my life, good Baptist church. We had great Sunday school teaching. I heard about Jesus casting out devils, healing sick people. I said, that's what Jesus used to do. He's healing sick people. I thought they told me that was dead and over with. I need to start reading my Bible and find out if this is still true. And so I remember getting back in church as a young married man and just listening to the word of God sitting in church. You know, I, I, can't, I don't know if I was hungry, but I certainly was curious. Like, well, I don't want to stay this way the rest of my life. God, what did you say? Are we supposed to live in poor and make you proud because we're poor and ignorant and, you know, we're not part of the world, so let's go live in a commune and eat beef jerky and sleep in a tent with a lantern. I've heard about people that do that. We've got them over in Arkansas that do that right now. They're waiting on Jesus, and they're going to be real upset when he gets here because he's going to be mad at them. Because the Bible says you and I are supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be helping the world, reaching a lost and dying world, which is incredibly expensive to reach a lost and dying world. We're supposed to be feeding hungry people, and there's a boatload of them. We're supposed to be helping people that are sitting in the hospital. We're supposed to be visiting people in prison, and there's a ton of those. We are real busy people. That's what we do. That's the church's job. Well, the church's job is real expensive, and the more I would read, I can't think, man, something's wrong with this. And, of course, you know, I'm sitting in church, and they're talking about tithing, and I I get mad every time they pass the plate because I'm already poor. Here comes preacher wants more money. He's sure driving a better car than I am, living in a nicer house. I need that check. He doesn't need it. You know, I'm just think, and uh, it's quiet in here. <laughs> now I realize that the devil, John ten ten, he's a liar, stinking liar, a thief and a murderer. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. Thank God for Bible study and Sunday school because I start going to Sunday school on a regular basis, not to make God proud. I'm a real Christian. I go to Sunday school. You know, I went because I was curious, and I'm tired of living the way I'm living. Man, we began to get the Word of God. I remember I went and bought me a brand-new Schofield Bible, and I began to read, and I started in Matthew, and I went to Revelation in six weeks. I read straight through. And I'm curious. I'm looking for things. I'm curious about this God and this Jesus and what he did because I've been told certain things Jesus did ended after he died. Well, they didn't. In the book of Acts, man, the apostles were still laying hands on the sick, still cast out devils. You know, miracles were still happening after Jesus left. Well, somebody lied to me. The Bible's the truth. This is the living Word of God. And so the one thing I read, one of the reasons I kept reading the Revelation was because, you know, if you just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus spent one-third of his ministry casting out devils. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't like the thought of devils. Because, you know, I've been through Halloween a few times. It's a scary time. Let's just eat the pumpkin and get through this. We'll get to Christmas with Santa Claus. And I realized that the devil's a liar. The devil's not ugly. He's not scary. Lucifer is the most beautiful creature God ever made. God never made anything more beautiful than lucifer he is the single most beautiful thing god ever made isaiah 28 ezekiel 28 you go through and read about him he's beautiful the bible says that at the end of the age when the judgment's going on that the kings of the earth will stand at the judgment seat of god and they will ask him is that the devil and god will say yes and they'll say that can't be the devil where's the horns and the tail and the pitchfork and eyeball hanging out and puking stuff and God's going to say, did you not read? Did you not read? Did you not read? And he is the most beautiful thing I ever made. Well, then what's Halloween in horror movies? It's a lie. What's Halloween in horror movies? It's a lie. Ugh. 
the devil's a liar. <sighs> he's real pretty. <laughs> Matter of fact, one Hebrew word calls him effeminate. He, he's pretty. He's not handsome. He's pretty. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. And, uh, but he's deadly. He's like a coral snake. He's real pretty, but he'll kill you dead. That's why I'm to resist him. And so I realized most of the stuff the devil's been feeding me on my life's a lie. He's not ugly. He doesn't have horns or pitchfork. And you know, he's not red and doesn't have a sharp nose. He's the most beautiful thing God ever made. But he's deadly. He steals, kills, and destroys. Well, if I'm being stole from and I'm dying early, that's not God. God promised me in the Bible I should live at least to be 70 years of age. If by strength, 80 and 90. And if you want to get real holy, go to 120. But if you die before 70, you died early. Well, that's good to know because i got a big family. We went to funerals of people that died before 70. And I would hear at the funerals, people would say lies from the devil. Well, I guess God needed them in heaven. And I would hear that as a kid. Why did God need grandma in heaven? I mean, what, was she, what did he need her for? Does he got, doesn't have enough people or is he lonely? Uh, nobody else in heaven? Uh, did he need another good cook? Grandma could cook good. And I remember as a kid how confused I would be from people who didn't know the word of God and would quote stuff that's a lie. God didn't need my grandmother in heaven. She died of cancer. The devil took her. God didn't take her. She died early. I miss her to this day. You understand? My father, my father died at 63. Cancer. Like, what is this cancer thing anyhow? And it's like, you know, been health all his life. Got died of cancer. Three days later, he died. Died in his sleep. Like, well, I guess I remember I was there the month. You know, God took your dad. He's a good man. God just needed him in heaven. And I remember listening to that. And I should have spoke up then. I thought, you ignorant, you ignorant Christian. You're an ignorant liar. God didn't need my dad in heaven. The devil took him early. You know, shouldn't have smoked since he was seven. If you smoke since you said one, it's probably not good for your lung. <laughs> just a thought. People ask asking, how come you don't smoke? Because my mom and dad smoked my whole life. So every morning at breakfast, every time I eat scrambled eggs, I choke. That's why I have to fry them today to eat them. Because I grew up eating scrambled eggs. Because I couldn't breathe because there's so much cigarette smoke in the kitchen. Mom would eat your eggs, son. I didn't smoke because I was holy. didn't smoke so I could breathe. I didn't drink because I came from an alcoholic family. Now, my dad drank a little beer every now and then. He never got drunk. At least if he did, I didn't see it. But me and my uncles got drunk all the time every family reunion. And they, and they weren't good drinkers. They were amateur drinkers. They drink cheap beer, Tudor beer, Tudor beer. You ever heard of Tudor beer? That's why you've never heard of it. It's cheap. <laughs> it's not all the alcoholics. They were cheap alcoholics. That's the worst kind. Drink four or five Tudor beers and they'd puke. Well, you know, family reunion, you have the same thing. Every family reunion had barbecue pork, baked beans, potato salad, you know, coleslaw. <laughs> you puked that up. That's a smelly di- So I've seen many of them on their hands and knees like they're praying to God, puking their toenails out. <laughs> and that stuff just coming out of the mouth like a fire hose. You get a whiff of that like, you want a beer? No, thank you. <laughs> I didn't drink because I was, oh, you holy or something? No, I just don't want any beer. And once, I was like horse urine. <laughs> I smell vomit every time I see a beer. Well, same thing about poverty. You know, we grew up in a mining community. Uh, I mentioned, uh, I think, Sunday, that uh, my father went through the 12th grade twice. My father went to eighth grade, and that's it. And we grew up in mining families. And so you were proud that you were a hard worker, and you went to church. And, uh, but, but we were an ignorant people. We thought it was good just as long as you work hard, have a job, work hard. Well, 
How about being poor? You know, we can't afford anything. You know, I remember in first grade, in the first grade, we didn't have kindergarten. I went to first grade. My first grade year, I wore two shirts, two shirts, alternate every other day. One of the shirts I wore was a white shirt with pink owls on it, had pink owls. And the buttons were backwards. I never could figure that out. The buttons are backwards. <laughs> the ladies laughing, though, that's because it's a girl shirt. It really started my life off good. Hey, you got a girl shirt on. What? How come you wear those pink owls? I don't know. <laughs> I, realize I don't I don't like being poor and I don't like puking. I don't like sucking for air in my lungs. There were just some things I learned naturally. And then when I got in the Word of God, I realized that, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about living long. The long life will I satisfy him and show my salvation. And I realized how I think is very important. I have been, I was thinking stupid. Or John 2, I've quoted at every service. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I realized I must be thinking wrong. Well, I wasn't thinking any scripture because I didn't know any scripture. I went to church. I carried a Bible. I would listen, but I never read the Bible for myself. So I remember when I went through that from Matthew to uh, Revelation that first time, what I was reading for was to find out where God finally killed all the demons off. Because I knew there were demons. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus cast them out. So I kept reading, trying to find, okay, where did he finally kill them all off and put them in hell? You know, and I'm getting over pretty far now. By the time I got to the book of Jude, I thought, well, it must all be in Revelation. That's where he killed all the devils off. Well, I read through Revelation, got to the last chapter, and I realized when I hit the last chapter, those devils were still here. It was a revelation to me. I was reading about 2, and 2 o'clock in the morning, laying in my bed next to my wife. It's taken me six weeks to go through the entire New Testament because I'm starved for some information. Where are these devils that kill people and maim you and make you sick? You know, and I realized they're still here. That's not good. Because what would I do if I saw one? I remember when uh, I got hired as uh, I was working as a lab technician at Olin Maths in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we got a brand-new boss named Bill Clark. All we knew about him was he's the hatchet man for Olin Matheson. They hire him to clean house. Well, I'm the only non-degreed lab technician. I'd worked my way up from janitor all the way through, and I've got this job, and he comes in. I thought, oh, man, he's going to find out I don't have a degree, and he's going to fire me. I worked hard. I went through this whole plant. And I remember he comes in the first day, and I'm standing there, and he walks down. And I thought, oh, gosh, this must be him. This is the new boss. This is the man from hell. He's the one going to fire everybody. And he's got a stupid grin on his face, and he held his hand out as he's coming down this long hallway. I'm testing some cable for TVA. And he walks up to him, and he said, Joe, how are things between you and the Lord? First words out of his mouth, senior engineer for Olin Mason. How are things between you and the Lord? Now, this is 1973. You don't talk about the Lord at work unless you're using his name in vain. And now he had my hand. He's asking how things between me and the Lord. And he's grinning real big, and he's holding my hand. This is the devil's going to fire everybody. And I just panicked. And I said, I don't know. I'm not talking to him lately. And he won't let go of my hand. He's just squeezing it real tight. And he said, well, don't worry. You will. You will. <laughs> and then he just walked off and left me with that thought. I thought he'd just threaten me. He's going to fire me. And there he is, the devil incarnate. Well, the next morning, he begins to, he begins to bring us into his uh, office one at a time. He had a full glass door in this lab. And there were three technicians on each shift. And I'm coming in on days. Well, the... I'd come in early that morning, seven o'clock, and he's finished with the, he's finishing up with the third third shift technician. As he finished, he sending some sends them out onto the floor. They won't come back in the lab where we are. What's he saying? What's he saying? Are we getting fired? Well, they they won't answer. Oh my gosh, he's fired everybody. 
So I'm the third one on day shift. He calls in. He calls me in. And it's my turn. And so the other guy's coming out, and he's walking. What do you say? What do you say? And I thought, man. He calls me in. I go, and I sit down. I sit down in front of him. I thought, well, here it goes. My whole life I worked myself trying to get this good job, and he's going to fire me. I sit down in front of him, and he's got this stupid grin on his face. First words out of his mouth. He said, Joe, are you a believer? What? He said, are you a believer? In what? Are you a Christian? I'm a Baptist. <laughs> All Baptists are Christians. He said, well, I'm a believer. Well, good. I mean, I have no idea where this is going. Nobody witnesses at work. This is before anybody did that. And he pulls this little lime green pocket Bible out of his shirt pocket. It'll be thing like something you'd win at a fair. It's just cute. It'll be a Bible. He opens it up. <laughs> he opens up to the book of Mark. And here's what he said to me. He said, well, according to the book of Mark, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Joe, you ever laid your hands on any sick people and seen them get well? No, I don't like sick people. I don't get around them. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. Joe, I speak in tongues. You speak in tongues. You mean like a Pentecostal? <laughs> he said, yeah. No, I'm a Baptist. We don't do that. He said, and these signs shall follow them to believe. They shall cast out devils. Shall I've cast devils out of people. You ever cast a devil out of anybody? No, sir, I never seen a devil. He said, well, then according to my Bible, you're not a believer. You're going to hell. That'll be all. I'm not making this up. And I walked out of that office. I got out on the floor. And the other technicians just said, what did he say to you? Told me I was going to hell. He told us we were going to hell. What kind of nut is this? Well, he started inviting us to his house for Bible study every Friday night. We had to go because he's our boss, not because we love Jesus. So we went and we said, amen, hallelujah, and praise the Lord. And we played along with him. Long story short, out of the nine lab or nine uh, there were uh, nine of us working in the lab. When he got through with seven of us are in full-time ministry today. Born again, spirit-filled ministers. He cut that Methodist, cut a wide path in our life. But what he did it with was just reading scripture. Just read scripture. Just read it. Go to the house. He'd read something like, I don't know that's in your Bible. What kind of Bible you got? You know, and, I said, and it was a King James. I don't think that's in my King James. Then I'd read it. I said, well, son of gun, it is. Man, I don't know that's in my Bible. That's because I've never read my Bible. And then I began to realize, I went through the word of God, that uh, there were certain things that were true, that the devil does kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant in this lifetime, not in the one to come. We've got eternal life, but in this lifetime. But it takes faith. Without faith, you don't please God. Without faith, you don't whip the devil. But I've got to know what this says. And I begin to realize the Bible, all the commands of meditating in this word day and night, then you will prosper and have good success. I said, I have got to get my head cleaned out. Evidently, I have some stupid thoughts because my life, my life and my words are a result of what I believe. And my words were not good. We're never going to make it. We'll never have anything. We'll be poor just like our family's poor. We'll never get promoted. They're never going to give us a raise. I'll never get a raise. You think we're going to get a raise? Man, I'll be glad when times get better because times sure are bad right now. You know, the world's looking for better times. You ever hear people say that? Well, I think times are going to get better. No, they're not. Not in my Bible, they're going to get worse. 2 Timothy 3, Matthew 24, Luke 17, Revelation chapter 3. Times aren't going to get better, they're going to get worse. Now, we're going to be fine. 
God promised the believers, I'll make you the head and not the tail above and not beneath, and everything you set your hand to prospers. In Luke 17, it says, in the last days when perilous times are coming, that there'll be a group of people who'll be eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage, buying, selling, building, or planting. There are only two kingdoms, God's and the devil's, and they're at war with one another. You've got to know which kingdom you belong to. And you've got to keep your mind renewed because even people in God's kingdom, he says about his people, my people, not the devil's people, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And the word destruction has to do with financial health, peace of mind. If you don't know what I'm thinking, you're going to come home early. You'll come to heaven. You're just coming early because the devil's trying to kill you. He, he's a murderer and he's a thief. Well, I don't want to get murdered early and I don't want to die early and I don't want to be poor. Then you better know what this is. You better resist him. If you resist him with the word, he's terrified of this. He's not afraid of me. He's afraid of this in me. So i got to change my mind. So that's why we had to come up with a financial seminar. It's not a get rich quick. It's not a think positive, be positive, be wealthy. It's the holy word of God. It's the truth. And truth will set you free. So with that in mind, Luke 17, let's just jump in here. I'm going to go to Luke 16, verse 1. Luke 16, let me back up. I'll just shorten this up here. This is Jesus speaking. Here's what he says. A certain rich man had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what is this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. Hmm. The manager thought to himself, now what? Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. I know what I'll do to ensure I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe my boss? And the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill, quickly change it to 400 gallons. I like to meet somebody like that. How much do you owe my employer? The next man he asked. He said, well, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. He said to the man, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. It is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, or it means at the end of your life, people will welcome you into an eternal home. For if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? When I read last night out of Matthew, I read that God is a God of stewardship. God honors those people who take care of stuff. He honors that. So here's what we're going to do tonight. It's real simple, and I'm going to violate every law of public speaking here. I mentioned last night that every scripture that has to do with money is in this book that we went through and put this thing together. Proverbs 24, 3, and 4. Tonight I'm talking about financial house cleaning. How do you get a miracle financial? Well, you've got to do something natural. Before a miracle happens, we have to do something natural. Throughout the word of God, God always order precedes increase. When Jesus was going to feed the multitude, he set them down in groups of 50. You understand? When God told Noah to build an ark, he told them what kind of wood, how much wood, and how many of each animal to get. Order always precedes increase throughout every story in the Bible. So I tell people, you want to increase your life, get some order. Get a budget. Clean out your garage. Clean out your closet. What you clean out and clean up will increase. God is a God of order. 
order precedes increase. Greatest miracle you'll ever do financially is get a budget. How much do you owe? How much do you own? How much do you earn? And where does it go? Again, I'll tell you that 97% of people you know do not have a working budget. That's why most of America is in debt and broke. Because if you don't know how much you owe, how much you own, you're certainly not praying about it. You're just griping about it. I have a very large family. Everybody gripes about money. Man, I'll tell you, I sure wish we could make more money. Man, we used to make a lot more money than that. But money, dollar used to be a lot worth a lot more than it is now. Man, the Japanese making everything now. Now China's making everything. We're just broke as dirt. Man, Walmart owns the world. Man, they're of the devil. You know, it's just the Antichrist running Walmart. Can't give them. Let's go to Walmart. You know, and it's like nobody's quoting any scripture, and that's my family. I don't know about yours. I'm just talking about mine. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what? What God says. That's why Jesus spoke to the mountain, spoke to the bush, spoke to the devil. You want something, you've got to talk to it. Why? You've been redeemed from this world. You're in another kingdom now. You have authority over the devil, but not if you don't speak it. The devil's not afraid of what I think. He's afraid of what I say. That's why Mark 4 says, when I speak the word of God, the devil comes immediately to try to steal out what's in me. Why? It hurts him. What are you supposed to do? Keep speaking it. <laughs> Keep saying it. Sing it. Make up songs. Sing to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Seek God early in the morning when you get up. Give him some scripture to work with. Now, listen, I was an okay student, but I became a real good student when I needed it. And so I learned by writing things down on three by five cards. All the scriptures that I put in this book are all on three by five cards. I've got them on little rings, and I've got them situated, wealth, riches, poverty, so I could meditate on them. So I always travel. I travel as an engineer. I travel as a minister. And I'd get them on the plane, and I'd just flip through them. I've had people ask me, what are you doing? I'm just kind of renewing my mind with some stuff. Well, what are you reading about? I said, I'm reading about wealth. Why are you reading about wealth? I have six kids. They're all going to college and getting married. <laughs> Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. I'll give you this first one. Any enterprise is built by wise planning. Any enterprise is built by wise planning. Becomes strong through common sense and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. Any man I've ever known or met in my life, any woman who owns a business I've ever met, have detailed numbers written down somewhere. They got plans, visions, budgets. They have their future planned out. You've got to plan your life where there's no vision, you perish. Write the vision. Make it plain that those that read it can run with it. Habakkuk 2.2. The greatest thing you'll ever do, I mentioned last night, is number one, what do you want to do in life? Who are you? What do you want to do? Where are you going? How do you plan to get there? Why do you want to go there? How do you think it's going to happen? So six, six words. And so every Christmas I mention, I make my kids do this. Who are you? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? When's it going to happen? Because if you don't write it down, you're not praying about it. You can have a great vision, but if you don't start asking, it won't happen. But you can't ask if you don't know. Are you tying these together? What do you want to do in life? I don't know. Well, then you're probably not going to do anything. Don't worry about it. What do you want to do in life? Well, I should like to get a better job. What kind of job? Well, one that pays more. Well, what are you good at? Nothing. Well, what do you want? maybe we want to get good at something. Let's go to the unemployment office. Take a test. You can go online and take a test. You can go to your public library and take a test. Take a vocational test, a a skills test. What are you good at? Nothing. No, you're good at something or God lied. You're gifted at something. You're gifted to make room for you and make you wealthy. Let's find out what you're good at. So every year, we redo the gifting test in my family at Family Vacation. We used to go down to Melbourne, Florida. But redo the gifting test. Well, your gift's still there. God didn't take it away. (laughs) Evident you're not doing much with it because it said it'd make you wealthy and you're broke as dirt. (laughs) I had to put an engine in your Jeep because you're broke. (laughs) 
You have a gift. You're not using it. <laughs> Let's find out where we need to use that gift. Isn't that funny? I get tickled every time I say that. Now, I'm going to go through this in a very orderly fashion. Now, this is all in our finance book, but these are, these are the scriptures. Now, this is sort of order precedes increases, so you understand what I'm talking about. Proverbs 24, 27. Prepare your work without, make it fit for yourself in the field, then build your house. Don't build a house till you get a job. Paraphrase. That's a good one. We'll also have a house. We'll get a job. Proverbs 30, verse 25. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Work ahead. Plan. You ready for, you know, pre- store something up. Save something. Put something aside. Psalm 23, 5. Mm, mm. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Oh, my goodness. Thou anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I had to memorize that in the first grade. Organizational skills. Look at this. First Corinthians fourteen forty. Let all things be done decently and in order. Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach me to number my days that I might apply my heart unto wisdom. Oh, that's a great one. And, of course, I love this Ecclesiastes. Most people don't quote this because it's just sort of depressing. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a plant, time to plant, time to pluck up, time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh. There's a time for everything. Are you making time for it? So we're going to start planning our life. I mean, my kids, who are you? Write it down. Where are you going? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? What do you want to do when you get there? How do you figure it's going to happen? You need more education? You need to start going to night school? You need to take a course? What do you need to do? None of it's easy. Do you understand this? People are looking for easy. I want an easy job. They don't exist. Work's hard. <laughs> That's one of the scriptures. There's a lot of scriptures on work. Hopefully we'll get to a few here in a minute. Work's good. I've worked and not worked. Working's better. I got that from a guy working at a kiosk at 5.30 a.m. in the Nashville airport. When I was, I finished up doing a seminar and I slid out of Nashville on January 1st going home to Tulsa. This guy's in the kiosk. He's just whistling away. It's 5.30 in the morning. I'm catching a 6.30 flight. He's just happy rubbing down. The, it's New Year's Day. Everybody's off. Sleeping in late and being up all night at a party and going to watch a ball game every while and eat some chicken or turkey or whatever. This guy's working in the airport. He's just so happy. I said, you're in awful good mood today. He said, I am. And he said, I've worked and not worked. And I learned that working's better. And today I get double time. <laughs> I said, I'm going to preach that all over America. That's incredible. <laughs> said, I wisdom will make the hours of your day more profitable and the years of your life more fruitful than before. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 9, verse 11. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. And then Romans 8, 13 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God's going to order my steps, direct my paths, guide and all truth. I tell my kids, what's God told you? And I'll ask them, what did God tell you this week? What did God tell you today? Nothing. Then you're not listening because he's talking all the time. God's trying to bless you, make you wealthy, meet your needs. Are you listening? You've been gifted. Are you using your gift? You have a plan because God won't order your steps if you don't have a plan. So I, they carry around. It's a, it's a three-ring banner I bought at uh, Walmart for all my kids, and I'll make them sometimes. You bring that notebook. What have you written in it lately? Nothing. Then you're not praying. And it's got their gifting test that I put in. It's got all the scriptures. What did God tell you this week? If you've not written anything down, you're not praying this week. Now, what do you think is going to happen if you're not praying? If you're not praying, you're not asking. If you're not asking, God doesn't have permission to help you. You're on your own. You just got behind a week, and the devil's slowly going to steal from you. The devil watched Jesus for 40 days till he hit him at his weakest moment. Remember when the Holy Ghost led Jesus into the wilderness to face the devil? The devil did not hit him till the 40th day. Because he's just watching. The devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking to may devour. He's waiting for the weakest moment. He's not stupid. The devil does not attack the biggest, baddest water buffalo in the herd. He's looking for the slowest, weakest one at the back. He's looking for my weakness, not my strength. But thank God the Bible says, where I'm weak, there will he make me strong. Where's my strength come from? Be strong in the Lord and the power of might. It comes from the word of God. I've got to start getting scriptures for what I need. 
We're going, God keeps records. This is real good. Ecclesiastes 3.15. Whatever is, has already been. Whatever will be, has been before. And God calls the past on the count. That's a lot of nice King James for God knows the future. God knows everything. God's all-knowing. Nothing ever shocks God. Nothing. Romans 14.12. So then every one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Matthew 12.36. But I say to you that every idle word that men speak, they shall give an account thereof on the day of judgment. Hebrews 13.17. Only, only, only them who obey and have... Obey those that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls that they may give an account. Now, the point of this is, I tell my kids, God's an accountant. He has accounting angels. God's writing down everything you say, everything you do, everything you think, every thought in your brain, every action is being written down in heaven for your benefit. That's why if you think something stupid, cast that thought down. It's a Bible verse. If you think something stupid too long, repent. Find another thought to put in by getting in the scripture and start quoting the word of God. You control your mind by what you say. Start saying scripture. I like this Psalm 139 verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance. And in your book, all the days of my life were written, which were in continuance, were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God said, I had your life written down, Joe, before you, Father, met your mother. Before you were conceived, there was a book in heaven. Your name's on the end of it, and all the days of your life were written down. This is my plan for your life. I will not make you live it. When I get to heaven, and I'm going because I know Jesus, when I get there, I'm going to the judgment seat of Christ. It's where you go when you first get there. It's not to say if you get to stay. Only Christians go to the judgment seat of Christ. There will be a book opened up, and God says, Joe, here was my plan for your life. It was incredible, abundant, and blessed. Why didn't you live it? If there's an answer, it's like, well, I guess I didn't use my faith. I was a scaredy cat and stayed mad and cussed a lot and, you know, talked bad about my president, my wife, my dog, and my in-laws. Well, it's all written down there. And it's going to cost you. Because the Bible says we're living our life and are laying up treasures in heaven. That's why we're supposed to live right, think right, talk right, be right, do right. If we don't, we're to repent quick and forgive quick. Do you understand? It, it gets you what we call spiritually constipated. You ever been constipated? It's a bad thing. Nothing's moving. You feel bloated. Get on the scale, you gain an extra 10 pounds. You know how many pounds of poop most people have in them? I'm trying to be... I'm really trying to be nice about this. I got a good Jewish doctor. You know how much poop you got in? No. We got to get that out. Well, you got to start eating different. (laughs) Spiritually, if you're not praying, forgiving, and repenting, you get spiritually constipated. If somebody punches you, what comes out of your mouth is something smelly. You're spiritually constipated. You need a bowel movement. (laughs) Woo! We need to clean you out. You do that with the word of God. You, remember it says you wash by the water of the word. We need a good enema. Your soul needs an enema. Oh, you'll feel so good when we get through. The five principles of financial security. Number one, keep good records. I tell people. This is real simple. I'm, I'm, there's a lot of scriptures. I'm going to give you a few. Proverbs 27, 23. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. God said, I make sheep. I make grass. I make rain. I make grass grow. I make sheep get fat. But when you go down to the marketplace, you're on your own. 
I do what I do, you do what you do. Better know the condition of your herds, the state of your flocks, or somebody's going to clean your plow at the marketplace. I need to keep good records. How much do I owe? How much do I earn? Where's it going? If I know that, and I do. I thank God for computers. Used to, you had to handwrite it. Well, I can put it on a computer now. My bank, I could download it from my bank every day. Where'd my money go? Who spent it? Where's it at? Who's, who am I paying interest to? What's going on? And every day, if I see that, I'm praying about it. If I don't see it, I'm not praying about it. I'm only praying about what I'm dealing with. And most people, 97% don't have a budget, so they're not praying about their money. They're just griping. They don't have any. They're griping about their boss. They're cussing their boss. They're cussing their company. And they're not making any advance because God only watches over his word to perform it. But if I start getting a budget, it, number one, it's going to scare me and depress it. My God, we're broke. We need a lot of money. Well, maybe I ought to start praying. Father, I think you supply my need when you reach the love of Christ Jesus, and I got a lot of need. I think you're going to open doors, no making shut, shut doors, no making open. I thank God you're going to surround me with the shield of divine favor, Psalms 112. People are going to like me, not even know why. If somebody's going to get a raise, it's going to be me in Jesus' name. God, bless my boss. Bless my company. Man, give us more opportunity. Help us make more business, more sales, God. Come on, open up the doors. Because if I'm here, you've got to bless me. You're going to bless me through this company. Bless this company. Bless my boss. Give him wisdom. Help him make wise decisions. Bless my president. He's got the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God. And he's going to surround him with divine labors that are going to begin to speak the truth to him. He's going to make good decisions to bless our country so that I can lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godless and honesty, 2 Timothy. You understand? If you start getting facts, you'll start praying. You start praying. Angels will start ministering to you and start answering your needs. I'm telling you guys, this is the greatest thing in the world. This will set you free. Number one, keep good records. Number two, tithe and give. Really not going into this night. going to talk about this tomorrow night because I get it all the time. I got it last week. I was up in St. Louis. People said, well, you know, tithe, that's something. So in the Old Testament. Now, I don't argue with people because these are Christians in churches that will challenge me. That's just an Old Testament thing. You don't have to tithe. I said, well, don't. Don't. Well, isn't that right? No, it's in the New Testament. It's in there a lot. Where? Well, you need to look it up. You're a Christian. You're in church. You got a Bible. You read it. You're just reading what you want to read, evidently. But I'd recommend if you don't believe in tithing, don't do it. I wouldn't. I mean, I don't do anything I don't believe in. I mean, how stupid are you? If you're doing something you don't believe in, don't tithe. See how it goes for you. Try it for at least a year. Don't tithe for a year. Just try it. See how many raises you get. If you get a lot, come talk to me and I'll stop tithing. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about tithing tonight, but I'm going to mention this. This planet works off of one main law, the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you reap, good measure, pressed down, shaped together, running over. You understand that? If the government gets 38% of my money, church only asks for 10, I mean, what's the big deal? There's a thought for you. Anyhow, tithing's a really good thing. Uh, principle number three, save for the future. <laughs> Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, you lazy person. Consider the ant's ways and be wise. It has no commander, no advisor, and yet it stores up provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest for the winter. Even an ant's got enough sense to lay it for times when they're not good. You should have a storehouse. Now, if, I'm, if you're coming to my financial seminar, I'll tell you, you ought to have a minimum. You ought to have a minimum of three months of your monthly, whatever your income is every year, you ought to have three months in the bank. Ultimately, you ought to have six months. You ought to be able to handle a six-month layoff, a six-month I can't go to work. You ought to have that money sitting in the bank. People look at you, well, dear God, what idiot does that? Well, there's a lot of idiots that do that. They're not worried. Just a thought for you. Well, how am I going to do that? I'm behind now. I don't know. Maybe you can start praying. I don't know. Might be a thought. Now, that's a big miracle. But if somebody could walk on water, maybe we could get three months saved up. I don't know. Who knows? Whoa. I have to fast for about 21 days, but it could happen. You might be able to save some money. 
Now, I've been to these seminars. Well, I couldn't find any money to save. I'm broke. I find money. You know where I find money? And the guy told us, well, just look, look under the couch. Look behind the seat in your truck. you got some change somewhere. I found $12.38. I went to open the savings account. I couldn't. It took 25 to open one up. No, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not making that up. Like, Dear God, I don't even have enough to open the savings account. <laughs> you know, it took a few more weeks, but I finally got enough to open one. And then I started sitting money aside. I started with $5 a month. I started saving $5 a month. I said, I can find $5. I'll just stop going to McDonald's at least once. I'll be $5. Then I realized there, wow, man, I just stop going to McDonald's completely. I can save. And I realized, oh man, $138 at McDonald's. And they're not that good. I'm going to start eating grilled cheese at home, save some money. And all of a sudden you realize that when you begin to put your mind to it, God began to open doors, and it was incredible. Uh, principle number four, have a spending plan. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I want to I applaud. Then number five, enjoy what you have. Now, here's the one that almost violates everything, but I like the scripture. Look at this. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Stay away from the love of money. I don't love money. I just need money. I don't love it. I love God. There's a plaque on my wall. It says this, God money. One I, one I serve, the other serves me. I got that from somebody else, but I made a plaque out of it. God money. One I serve, the other serves me. I don't make a God out of money. It serves me. I need it to work for me. It serves me. And I got a lot of stuff I need done, so I need a lot of it. But I don't make a love out of it. I love my wife. I love God. I love my family. But I need money. Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never, never fail you nor forsake you. Put that on a bumper sticker. This is why we can say without any doubt or fear, the Lord is my helper and I'm not afraid of anything that mere man can do to me. What do you know? God's going to take care of me. Father, I thank you meet all my needs. I mean, I got certain prayers to say every night and every morning. I just wrote. I've done it so long. Why? God watches over his word. I don't have to get a goose bump. I don't have to light a candle, shave my head, hum a hymn, or put on a CD. I just have to say it. Father, I thank you. You said you supply all my need according to the rich blood of Christ Jesus. Wish above all things out of prosperity and help my soul prosperous. And I am quoting your word right now. I have one prosperous soul, God. Woo, the angels are busy. I love that. Now then, financial house in order. Now, I'm not going to read all this, but this is, this is how you start. Uh, if you were in my office... I'm going to give you a plastic folder. I've got several stored in our warehouse. They're just cheap plastic boxes with a lid on it. And I've got 12 hanging files in there. And they've got these tabs on them. Here's what they say. Checking and savings account, home-related accounts, you know, that stuff you're fixing, credit card accounts, insurance, taxes, Social Security, investments, uh, state and legal documents, you know, your wills and so forth, your house and stuff, children's accounts, and financial worksheets. And so I've got those files hanging in there. And I said, now, we're going to start helping you budget. We're going to help you find a place to put your stuff. Order proceeds increase. Where are your bills at? We're on the kitchen table. and in the back of the bathroom. They're on my bedroom dresser. They're under the couch. They're in my pocketbook. I've got some in the folder. Get them in one place. Get everything in one place. Stack it up in a, paste, in a cardboard box. If you have to. Where's all your bills at cardboard box? Great. Then you have order. Now we might put some files in the cardboard box and start separating them. Because, again, what you don't have knowledge of, you will not pray about, you will not act on, you'll just go out and get further in debt. I'm telling you guys, these are laws that will set you free. Now then, you're going to find this out. Here's what you're looking for. How much do I make? How much do I spend? How much do I earn? <laughs> Where's it going? It's depressing. Here's the forms. You get these from your local insurance company. They're in my book. These are all the same forms. They make them all the same. These are the forms. It's a list of inventory. How much do you own? How much do you have? How many cars and guns and washing machines and dryers and spare tires and, you know, plastic buckets? I don't know. What do you got? Add it up. 
Then here's your current expenses. Here much I'm paying every month. You know, here's my light bill, my water bill, my gas bill. Here's my car payment, my house payment. Here's my college loan. You add it up. Here's all my credit cards, how much and how much interest and how much I got. Like when you get through this, you'll think, I have brought people into my office who are all Christians and spirit-filled. This one guy, he was an engineer and his wife was a medical technician. But they went into, oh, they went into deep depression because I just did this with all their bills. Took four days to find all their bills. They brought them to me, and we finished this up, and she started yelling at them. I had to get the kids out of the office. I said, well, this is wonderful. We found the bottom of the barrel. You cannot hit Goliath unless you know where he's standing. Write it down. Who do you owe? I don't even want to know. It's bad. Well, how bad is it? Where's Goliath at? Is he behind you? Is he in front of you? Is he inside? Because you can't hit him if you don't know where he's at. And if you don't hit him, he's going to come kill you. <laughs> so we go through all these forms. Now, I'm not going to go into this tonight, but credit card statistics, and I don't have to tell you how bad they are. Now, I have two credit cards in my billfold uh, right now. They're, they're real good. Uh, one's for business, one's for personal. When I travel, that's what I use. Plane tickets. If I have to eat lunch in the airport, if I have to get a taxi cab, if I have to rent a car, that's that credit card. The other's my personal. It's got a certain limit on it, and I do that to protect myself. Um, I've had stuff stole before. I was in Houston, Texas four months ago, and somebody got the number off my card. They were in my billfold in the cabin at this camp out in Houston. Evident, somebody got in and just got the number off. All of a sudden, they're buying stuff in Houston. Man, I'm, there's people shopping at Walmart and Pizza Hut, renting videos, and, they're, and my bank. I have a great bank. They call me. Have you been in Houston lately? Yes. Did you go to the people? And they asked. They called me. My bank, RVS Bank. I said, no, I didn't do that. Well, somebody's got your number because there's a lot of stuff. And what it is, now watch this. This is my bank. You're spending where you don't normally spend. If you don't think Big Brother's not watching you, if you don't think. Now, I'm thankful for it, but I thought, dear God. Yeah, we are noticing a lot of purchases that you don't normally purchase. Do you have your card with you? Yes, I do. Well, somebody's got your number. They've made a duplicate card. They're using your, so we had to cancel that card. Shut it down. I didn't lose that money. My bank reimbursed me, and they issued me a new card. It's the electronic age. But the fact that somebody knows detail kept me from getting, I could have lost thousands of dollars, but I didn't. Ooh, I love that. That's just a good thing. But here, your credit scoring, uh, you know, you ought to be up around 800 if you can, but some people have a 400, you know, your credit score. Now, you can send for it for free. There's three credit organizations you mail off. Hey, what's my credit score? Because you know what happens? You go to get a car loan or somewhere, so... Well, we'll loan you a car, but we're going to charge you 38% interest. What? Yeah, because you don't have good credit. Well, most people don't know what the credit rating is. You need a good one. Are you paying your bills on time? And there's a score. They got where you paid your light bill. If you missed two months in your light bill, they got that tab down. There's two blank spots. You didn't. You missed two months this month, and that takes off your score. You missed your water bill. You missed your car payment, and it goes against your score. Now, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this so you can start praying about, God, I need to be on time. I need to do righteously. You supply my need. I need to be able to pay my bills. I need an increase because if I don't know it, I'm not praying for it. I'm just working real hard. You understand? And I don't want, listen, I pay my credit card off now. Watch how they do. My credit cards that I have right now, used to, you had, you had to pay them off every month if they charged you that extra $29 fee. You know the $29.95 fee. You know? And plus, they'll bump my interest rate an extra 10% that month. Well, my credit card that I love, I love my company, uh, they went from 30 days to 27 days. Now, think about that. I've been paying it off every month. In the month, I pay it off. I do it electronically. All of a sudden, I noticed when I got my statement, they charged me $29. Hey, I paid that thing. Well, no, you, you didn't pay it on time. Sure, I did. I know when exactly when I paid it. I paid it the same time. I got to go on my computer. I paid it the same time. And they had changed my credit card. had changed from 30 days to 27. Why? To get that extra $29.95 out of people. Most people don't read the detail. Most people don't read their credit card statement. Who reads that? Oh, I'm going to read the paper. Not read the sports section, funny pages. I'm not reading my credit card statement. Dear God, how much is it? And write a check. 
Well, you might want to read it because 33% of the time there's a mistake on that statement. <laughs> that's a third. That's, if that was a lottery ticket, you ought to buy one. Anyhow, now watch this. Money mistakes. These are all scriptures. Number one, co-signing for somebody. Don't do that. Proverbs eleven fifteen. He who puts up security for another will surely suffer. I met a mother in Memphis, Tennessee, six months ago, who had co-signed for a son. Son been a drug addict, been in and out of prison, got this girl pregnant, living with her, and they needed a car. He couldn't get a job, so he bought, she bought him a car so at least he'd go to work. But he didn't take out any insurance on it. He didn't make the payments on it. They came and repossessed the car. And now she owes. It's bad. She, got, she has a bad credit reference because it went on her credit, not her son's credit. It's like, don't co-sign. You're going to co-sign? No. With me? No. Why? That's not to me. I'm not going to give you some money. I'm not loaning you some money, but I'm not co-signing with you. Because it means you owe that. Not being generous, Proverbs eleven twenty four. It is possible to give away and become richer. It's also possible to hold on to everything and lose everything. Be generous. Gambling, Proverbs 13, 11. Oklahoma, you know, we got gambling in Oklahoma. You ought to come to our city. It's incredible. Uh, the, 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 the Cherokees sell cigarettes because they don't have to pay taxes. The Creeks have casinos, beautiful casinos, right in Tulsa. There's no lake, no river. It's just a big building, and you can go have fun and eat the buffet and listen to country music. Singers come live and, and gamble. Every 7-Eleven quick trip in our city, you cannot walk into a 7-Eleven or quick trip in Tulsa, Oklahoma, without standing in line while three out of four people in front of you are buying a ticket. Who are those people? Poor people trying to get rich quick. The Bible says you get it quick, you lose it quick. Don't buy the ticket. Save the money. Invest it at 4% somewhere. Don't buy a ticket. I'm just trying to help you. Anyhow, gambling says this. Wealth from gambling disappears quickly. Wealth from hard work grows. Well, kumbaya. Falling for a sales pitch. This is a good one. Proverbs 14, 15. Only a simple person believes what they're told. A prudent man checks to see where he's going. Hey, come on down, man. We no payments for 12 months. You don't know us any interest. interest free, no payments. They're lying. They're charging for the 12 months. You're not making any payments. In case you don't understand that. Uh, our arrogance, true humility, and respect for the Lord makes a man rich. Brings him honor and long life. Proverbs 22, 4. Debt. Proverbs 22, 7. Just as the rich rule over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. It's good to be debt-free. Now, people say, you believe in being debt-free? Yes, but I have things I pay for. I had my house, mortgage payment for my house. Now, you know, you can do, instead of doing the 30-year, you, you can do the half thing. You know, you can do the 20-year. You can get a 12-year. You know, a friend of mine just did. My dad bought a house on seven years, paid it off in seven years because he's older. He didn't get a house. He didn't buy a house until he's 57. It was his first house. My dad rented until he's 57. So he'd had some money, So and he did. He paid it off in seven years. It was incredible. Uh, we're trying not to give away interest. For example, how do I do this? Give you some old numbers. You buy a $150,000 house, uh, you put it just on regular house payment for 30 years, for a $150,000 house, you're going to pay $325,000. Because you're going to more than double what you pay for the house in interest to them to use their money. That's awful expensive money. I don't want to think different about that. says this, uh, debt, uh, bribery, <laughs> that's a good one. Proverbs 22, 16, he who gains by oppressing the poor you know, by bribing the rich shall end in poverty. I don't want to end in poverty. Not having a spending plan. Again, Proverbs 3 and 4. 24, 3 and 4. You profit one by keeping abreast of the facts. Uh, getting rich quick and green. Proverbs 28, 22. Trying to get rich quick leads to poverty. Mm, well, I don't need any poverty. So don't try to get rich quick. Try to do it over a period of time. Here's statements to avoid. Here they are. This is what's here on TV. No money down. No payments for 12 months. Buy now, pay later. Bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down. Send no money. Congratulations, you won some. How stupid do you think I am? 
Seven bad habits that will rob your wealth. Number one's immorality, Proverbs 5.10. Keep a path. Keep a path. Or I say, keep to a path far from her. Don't go near her door or near her house, lest you give your strength to others and your years to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil uh, enrich somebody else and another man's house. In other words, immorality. Don't be sleeping with somebody else's spouse or somebody else's person. If it's not your spouse, you sleep with somebody else, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a lot. I had two friends do it last year that I've known for years. Been married a long time. Why don't you have an affair? Well, well, you just lost your marriage. You lost your house. One guy, he got fired, he lost his job. Man, that must have been incredible sex. Whoa. That was a half million dollar sex. How long did it last? I'm not trying to be crude, just trying to help you out. Nobody ever talks practically. Was it that good? Was that a half million dollar sex act? Whoa. No, you were just ignorant and the devil took you out. Why don't you go home and make love to your spouse? Well, maybe because you're rude and crude and mean, you don't do your job at home, you're not loving your spouse. So you want something cheap and quick. Everybody wants something cheap and quick. Well, you get something cheap and quick, you get something cheap and quick. Well, that's good. No, I'm talking to marriage. Let's come out back out of that. Uh, immorality. Number two, getting money through wickedness. Proverbs 10.3, the Lord will not let a good man starve to death, nor will he let the wicked man's riches continue forever. <laughs> oh, there's a bumper sticker. You wicked, God's coming after your money. God's coming after your money. Anyhow, number three, troubling your family. Proverbs 11.29, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. He will be left as a servant of wiser men. Don't be making your family mad. Don't talk bad about your family. Pray for them. Pray for those who use you, accuse you, misuse you, abuse you. Pray for them. Don't cuss them. If somebody's been ugly to you and you start talking bad about them, what judgment was coming on them will be diverted to you. I'm not making that up. It's biblical. Never interrupt judgment. Man, you treat me bad, God bless you and help you because you've got ugly coming toward you. I'm trying to be funny trying to help you. Refusing correction, Proverbs 13, 18. If you refuse criticism, you will end in poverty, disgrace, and disaster. If you accept criticism, you're on the road to fame. You, now, this is marriage. If your husband wife gets on to you, smile real big. Man, thank God. I love you. Thank you. I didn't know I was that stupid. I appreciate you pointing that out. Man, you must really love me because nobody had enough guts to tell me that. <laughs> I love that. That always goes over good. Drunkenness and gluttony, Proverbs 23, 21. Don't carouse with drunkards or gluttons for they are on their way to poverty. Well, I don't want to go to poverty. I'll stay away from it. Covering your sins. Oh, this is a good one. Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his sins will not prosper. I went to, I've got all the scriptures. And I'm doing this. I'm trying to do this real nice. But I've got a list of all the will not prosper scriptures to hand to my kids. Don't do these 18 things because I'll have to support you. Those are the 18 do not prosper scriptures. Laziness. This is a good one. Proverbs 6, verse 9. But you, all you do is sleep. When will you wake up? Let me sleep a little longer. Sure, just a little more. And as you sleep, poverty will creep on you like a robber and destroy you. <laughs> He's like, well, then don't do that. Get up. And then Proverbs 28, 19. Hard work brings prosperity. Playing around brings poverty. Mm. Those are those scriptures right there. Now, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be short. Um, you get yourself a vision. Who, what, where, why, when, how. Get yourself a budget. How much is this going to cost? A lot. If you have a vision, you get a budget, it's going to make you go to the Word of God, and you'll start praying. If you pray God's Word, God watches over His Word. Vision, budget, prayer. Vision, budget, prayer. Vision, budget, prayer. 
vision. But if you don't have a vision, you're not praying. If you are, it's not scripture. Vision, budget, man, I need this much money. Good, then be specific. Lord, I need $387,000. I need $121. Whatever you praise, what God will answer. God promised. We read the nine scriptures the other night. You have not because you asked not. Now, I'm not going to read this. I'm going to show them to you. These are things I collected for my kids. These are all the scriptures on meditation. Why is that important? Well, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do what is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I want children who are prosperous and successful. I tell them, are you reading your Bible? I bought them a daily walk Bible. I buy them one use about every two years because they, sometimes they wear them out. Sometimes they lose them. And I can look at them. I don't think anybody's read this Bible. It looks still kind of new. Pages are stuck together. I just tell them up front, you reading your Bible because you're not, you're going to end up poor. Because only God's word will bless you and prosper you. You've got to get your face in it. Then you'll start thinking right, and you'll start thinking prosperous, and you'll be prosperous. If nothing else, read a proverb a day. Read a few proverbs a day. Uh, proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And then Proverbs 23.7, as a man thinks his heart, so is it. What do you want to think? God's word. Why is the word important? Well, John 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made were made through him, and there was nothing that was made without him. Ephesians six seventeen, put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Why do we need the word? It's the only offensive weapon I possess. If I'm going to get blessed, I've got to start speaking God's word. God, I thank you for divine favor with my boss. With my company, you promised Psalm 112, surround the righteous with a shield of divine favor. They like me, and they don't even know why. I've prayed that all my life. They like me, and they don't even know why. Stinking boss, no, oh, 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 don't do that, because he'll be what you say. You might want to start thinking about how you've been talking about him or her. God bless them, Father. Order their steps, direct their paths. Teach them to fear you. Scare the snot out of them. You know what I meant with that one, too. I afraid that one a few times. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Oh, my goodness, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God sent his word and healed them. I put my hope in your word. Oh, my goodness, man lives by, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here's the one on plans. Now, we've covered almost all of these. Uh, commit your works to the Lord. Your thoughts will be established. Man makes his plans. The Lord directs his way. Psalm 20, verse 4. The Lord grant your heart's desire fulfill all your plans. What if you don't have any plans? You can't fulfill them. Vision. Got it? Vision, budget, prayer. Vision, budget, prayer. What do you I got a plan. I'm praying about it. Proverbs 21 5. Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. Not how have you got it. What's your plan? What? What are you planning to do? I don't know. I just hope it gets better. It won't. Got to have a plan. Uh, Psalm 37 23. The steps of a godly man are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of his life. I've already quoted Jeremiah 29 11. I know the plans I have. You have plans to prosper you, not to give you future and hope. Now, I'm not going to read these. These are depressing. This is all the scriptures on work. Well, let's read a few of them. Proverbs 18, 19. He that's lazy in his work is a brother to him that is a great waster. Proverbs twenty eleven. Even a child's known by his doings, whether his work is pure or right. Mm, that's a good one. I like that. It's pretty good. Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the lazy kills him, for his hands refuse to work. Proverbs 12, 24, diligent hands will rule, but lazy ones end in slave labor. Proverbs 12, 27, a lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. I went deer hunting with a guy in Wisconsin one time. There's several of us, a pastor and two other guys and me. And this guy shot a deer, and it was big, and it was snowy. Cause it was a beautiful day. And we were way out in the woods, and he shot this big old rascal. And all he was going to do is cut the horns off of it and take it back. He went and dragged the deer out because it's too far to go. 
And, and so we're heading back, and, and we're going to help him. He said, no, I'm just going to leave it. Pastor said, what? No, I'm going to leave it, man. It's just too big to drag out of here, man. I'm just going to take the horn. Pastor said, you shot that deer. You're dragging him out of here. And the guy refused to do it. So, so we all went back to the truck, and Pastor stayed there, gutted it out, and I helped him carry the hide and some stuff. And he, started, and he gutted that thing, drug it back, and threw it in the back of the truck. Now, the other guy that shot the deer went back in the truck and sat in the heat and waited on us. Well, it took an extra hour to get that thing get it out of there. To, man, we were sweating. Mark heart was bloody. Pastor got, it's a holy man. I loved him in Wisconsin. Threw that thing in the back. He just, I can't tell you everything he said. You're not ever going hunting again with me. You're a lazy man. You'll never be blessed in anything you do. You shoot something, you drag it out. Otherwise, don't shoot it. That's, I'm, I'm cleaning it up a lot. Proverbs fifteen nineteen: the way of the lazy man is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. Proverbs 20 through 13, the lazy man says, there's a line in the yard. There's a line in the yard. That's Jerry Clower. You ever hear that? There's a line in the yard. There's, a line. there's not a line in the yard. They just cut that dog's hair to make him look like a line. I won't go outside. There's a line. I'll be murdered in the streets. Get out there and do something. Mm. Proverbs 26, 14, as a door turns on its hinges, so a lazy man turns on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. Oh, that's good. Proverbs 10, 4, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 13, 4, a lazy man craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are satisfied. Proverbs 21, 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And there's a lot more of them. It's just good. It's just don't work. I tell my kids, you love to work. I raised some good, hardworking kids, and I did. Now, this is the closing. Now, listen to this. Read through this. God expects increase. God expects increase. Mm. John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I abide him, the same brings forth much fruit. Say much fruit. Say it again. People say, well, that's spiritual. No, that's everything. For without me, you can do nothing, but if a man abide in me, uh, does not abide in me. He is cast forth of the branches withered and men gather them and cast them in the fire and they are burned. John 15, eight. But this is when my father's glorified that you bear much fruit. John 12, 14. Verily, verily, I say to you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. We died ourselves. We live for God. Mark 4, 8. Another other seed fell on good ground and did yield spring that froze up and the increase brought much, much fruit, 30, 60, and some 100 fold. We're supposed to bear fruit. And then 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So neither is he that plants anything, neither is he that watereth, but it is God that gives the increase. We ought to be profitable. Now, these are all the wealth words. These are in the book. Just read one each. Wealth. I like this. Psalm 112, blessed is the man that fears the Lord, delights greatness, commandments, wealth and riches will be in his house. <laughs> that's, a, that's on my wall. A lot of kids. Riches, Proverbs 3.13, happy is the man that finds wisdom. Why? Length of days is in his right hand, riches and honor in his left. I'll take some of that. Prosperity, what do you know about this? It says, Psalm 122, verse 8. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Then Psalm 118, 25. Save me, O Lord, I beseech thee. I beseech you, send now prosperity. Nobody ever prayed that in my church when I grew up. What'd you pray? Lord, send now prosperity. I pray that all the time. Abundance. I like this one. Ephesians 3, 20. Unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask a thing. Ooh, to him be glory in heaven. Increase. Proverbs 1, 5, a wise man will hear an increase in learning. Men of understanding will attain to wise counsels. Psalm 115, verse 14, the Lord shall increase you more and more in your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Mm. Satisfied. Ooh, this is a good one. Proverbs 12, 11, he that tills his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that follows after the vain person shall be void of understanding. I want to be satisfied. 
Lack. Ooh, this is a good one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Prayed that in the first grade. Need. Matthew 6, 8. Don't be like these others. Your father knows what things you need of before you ask him. Therefore, ask. Poor. Psalm 34, 6. The poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. What trouble did he have? He is poor. Rich. Oh, I like this. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligence is made rich. Proverbs 10, 15. The wealth of the rich is a fortified city, but the poverty is the ruin of the poor. Mm-mm-mm. Budget. Well, we've covered this a lot. Proverbs 27, 23. Know the state of your flock, condition of your herds. Stewardship. We quoted that last night out of Luke. People in the world are more shrewd. And then this is what I want to end with. This is the millionaire mind. If you ever read this book, just listen carefully. Average millionaire in America is 54 years old. That's a good age. Average millionaire is 54 years old, married to the same woman for 28 years. One in four are married to the same spouse for 30 years or more. On average, their millionaire in America has three kids. Uh, 92% are married. 95% have children. Uh, average net worth of the average millionaire is $4.3 million. I like that. $4.3 million. That's average. That's the average millionaire. What do you work? $4.3 million. million? Could you stack up a million dollars and let me look at it? I mean, I've stacked up 34 cents before. $1.78. One time about $12 and change. I'd like to see what a million dollars looks like. Average annual income is $436,000. People hate these people. You stinking, filthy, stinking, rich, no good, rich person. You stinking, rich person. I want to be rich. I want to be filthy, stinking rich. How rich you want to be, filthy, stinking? I want somebody to say that about me. That's that filthy, stinking rich Joe McGee. Praise God. Average millionaire never spent more than $41,000 for an automobile. Well, kumbaya. Hmm. One in four millionaires has never spent more than $24 for a haircut. I've been getting my haircut by the same guy for, uh, be 31 years this year. Jack Sanders, full blood Cherokee Indian. Retired from the Navy, cuts hair in a little barbershop in Broken Arrow. He's been my barber for 31 years. I drive 18 miles to go to his barbershop when I go, and I go once a week. <laughs> I do, once a week. My family, where are you going, barbershop? Here, God, your kid. No, no, it's getting long. I loved barbershops as a kid. You never loved barbershops? This old men talk, smell that vitalis, that shade cream. Just sitting there and listening to everybody talk. Man, it's just a peaceful place, a barbershop. I got one of those. Two chairs don't match. You didn't have any matching furniture. Tiles broke. Air conditioner works good, and so does the heater. He's a good Christian man. Anyhow, 2% of us millionaires, only 2% inherited our homes or our property. Everybody else made it on their own. 97% of us are homeowners. Uh, we live in homes that were constructed an average of 40 years ago. <laughs> One in four of us live in houses built before 1936. They don't buy new stuff. They buy real nice stuff and fix it up. <laughs> that's, that's a good thought. Uh, it says this. Listen to this. Breakdown of this. Um, 32% are business owners. 16% are corporate executives. 10% are attorneys. 9% are doctors. 33% are corporate mental managers, accountants, sales professionals, uh, engineers, architects, and teachers. Nearly 50% of our wives do not work outside the house. 90% of us are college graduates. 52% of us hold advanced degrees. We are financially independent. We live a comfortable, not extravagant lifestyle, and we cluster in upper middle-class people. Well, I like that. I read that to my kids. They all have a copy of that. Then here's the degree thing. Now, I showed this. Now, remember I told you. I read when I was here in August about the Dropouts Hall of Fame, the millionaires, the billionaires that did not finish elementary school, junior high, high school, or college, I've got 1,200 of them. It's your gift that makes room for you, not your education. 
but I am an educator. They do pay for what you know. If you don't know something, go learn something. Go learn to be a welder, cut hair, count money, run a tin key. I've told my kids, it's not your degree, it's your gift. What do you give to that? Well, develop your gift. That means you need to run a tin key. If you need a degree, go get one. But it's your gift that makes room for you, not your education. Your education helps you use your gift. You might get that just being a, uh, working as a steward for somebody, learning from somebody else. You know, Benjamin Franklin became a silversmith working for another one. He didn't go to school anywhere, taught himself how to read. He didn't go to any kind of school. Our founding fathers, most of them had no formal education, but they created a great nation, became very wealthy, whipped the most powerful nation on the face of the earth because we had enough sense not to wear a red coat, stand out in the middle of a cow pasture. <laughs> we got long rifles laid in the dirt behind a tree with a coonskin cap on, shot them. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, now what this is, is uh, I'm not going to read this, but you can find this at your local library. This is what we call average salaries, and so I print this off for my kids. This is the average in America. Uh, the average uh, advertising manager makes 54000 Aerospace engineer makes 47000 Ambulance drivers make 25000 These are average in America, not by reference. Uh, auto mechanic, 25000 Biochemist, 35000 Biologist, 37,000. Bookkeepers, 28,000. College professor, 51,000. Commercial real estate manager, 108,000. Real estate, real estate, real estate. So I told my kids, you can get that course in eight weeks. What? Real estate manager. Real estate, real estate. Because you know what? They're not making any new property. What a thought. Your kid, nope. Same dirt we had a thousand years ago. Still there. <laughs> Just gets more expensive. Real estate. Real estate. Anyhow. Uh, cook. Average cook in America, 22000 Crane operator, 25000 Dental assistant, 26000 Those are good jobs, but you got to keep your face on somebody else's face all day. A forester, 40000 but you got to go to college for eight years to get that. Uh, Geologist, 36000 And I've got them all listed here. A photographer, 29000 Now, this is average. So I tell my kids this. What do you want to be in life? Remember that? Let's go back because we're going to close here. Look at this. Who are you? On this, we'll write it down. What do you want to be? This, okay. Now, we're going to go that. You want to be that? This is the average salary. So you might want to be a real good one, okay? Because that's average. There are people make a lot more than this. This is average. How do you plan to get there? How do you get to be one of these people? Well, do you need a vocational school? Do you need college? Do you need to go technical training? Let's go get some knowledge. Well, I can't. I'm trying to work. Well, then let's go to night school. Let's get a plan, and we'll lay down a 5, 10, and 20-year plan. Listen, it's possible. Let's start the process because if we've gone through this, and I've given you some, we'll really go to the, the big load tomorrow night on the scriptures. God wants you blessed, prosperous, rich, and wealthy. He wants you to help the poor, the widows, the unemployed. He wants to help you those in prison. He wants you to feed hungry people. You can't do that if you're broke. You don't take any money with you when you die. You leave it here. You leave it here. But when you do leave here, if you live long, you ought to leave some money behind to your children and your grandchildren. I've told this several times. My grandfather died. He was a great man, Ducktown, Tennessee. He was the foreman in the mines. I love my grandfather. When he died, everybody said he was a good man. They were all there at the funeral. Mr. Mack was a good man. Well, at the funeral, a lot of people because he had 12 kids. My uncle got up, tapped on the glass at the funeral. We had to eat outside on the parking lot because the church wasn't big enough to hold all of us. And my uncle got up. And I thought, it was a beautiful July day. We're burying my grandfather. I miss him. I love my grandfather. Taps on the table. Okay, need your attention. There were several eight-foot tables on the parking lot of the Mine City Baptist Church. We're out there eating, kind of sad, but we're talking now. We've been to the gravesite and buried him. I need your attention now. I said, uh, appreciate everybody coming. I know somebody got to leave early, but we're going to take up some money because, uh, you know, uh, Grandpa left some debts and stuff. And, of course, you know, he lived in the mining house because he worked for the mine. It was a real nice house, really nice house. 
But, you know, Grandma can only live there for 30 days after Grandpa dies because if you don't work for the mine, you can't stay in the mine and house. So she's going to have to leave the house. And, and you know, uh, Phyllis and I are going to take uh, Grandma for a month. Then Bill's got her for a month. Frank's got her for a month. So it's going to be the kid of the month for the rest of Grandma's life because Grandpa did not own his home. He also left some debts. We didn't have money for the funeral, so the casket's on loan, the gravesite's on loan because everybody knew everybody in Ducktown. Just one funeral home, you know, you know, they didn't have you four caskets. You had one kind, you stick them in and you bury them. And so we over the casket and everything. We're going to take up some money. So he passed a hat, a little hat. And everybody's eating, talking. And cat came back. And all of a sudden he counted the money. Hey, wait, now, wait a minute. There's not enough money here. Now, guys, listen to me. We've got to take care of this. Grandpa's left some debts. And we've got some stuff to pay for. The cat and we're going to pass. Hey, you sit down. I remember he started yelling. Sit down. Sit down back there. You're not going anywhere. We're going to pass this hat one more time. We've got to pay for this today. I remember he was yelling at my grandfather's funeral while eating at the eight-foot tables outside of the Mine City Baptist Church on the parking lot. It was a very sad day. And I'm like, why is everybody yelling? What's what, why are they taking up money now? This isn't the time he messed with money. Grandpa's dead. Well, because we hadn't paid for grandma, grandpa being dead. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his grandchildren. Grandpa didn't leave nothing. My grandpa reached out of the grave two generations down, shoved his hand in our pocket, grabbed a wad full of cash, and pulled it back in the hole with it. <laughs> So biblically, he was not a good man because a good man's supposed to leave something. You ever see these doofus bumper stickers? I'm spending my child's inheritance. You're a thief. You're a sinning thief. You're supposed to leave something behind. Now, one of the things I'm not going to cover tonight, tomorrow night, you know, you can take out a life insurance policy for almost nothing. I mean, for, you know, $15, $20 a month, you can take out a chunk of change, at least pay for you being buried. Now, unfortunately, I had to go to two funerals. About for Christmas, one family member, one friend's daughter. As sad as the funeral was, as bad as it was, as untimely as it was, we had to deal with money. It's bad enough somebody's died, but we got to go down to the funeral home to prepare for the funeral. Well, you know, the funeral home people are all dressed up. They're real nice people. You know, they've trained how to embalm people and do stuff. We're so sorry for your family. I know that. And so, you know, let's just prepare for this first. You have a grave site plot. No, we're going to need a plot. And he told us how much the plot was. Like, we're not buying a pickup truck. We just need six foot of ground. Well, it's a real expensive six foot of ground. Well, we just go bury him in the backyard because that's just crazy. <laughs> you understand? I mean, you know why people do stuff like, dear God, you got to be kidding. I'll dig out behind the bar. We'll bury him out there. I'm not paying how, how much. And so we had to go through that. Then we had to pick out the caskets. And all that was a tough one because everybody's there, especially the women. <laughs> we're all sad. Now, I'm not trying to mock it. It was a very sad time. But at a very sad time, we got to pick out caskets. Whether it's good, better, and best. It's a serious robot. Good, better, best. How much did you love your child? Did you love a little bit or a lot? Or did you really love your child? Oh, we want a nice one. Well, you know, this individual passed away. Was, was, they were long and large, and we needed the biggest one, whether we wanted it or not. We wanted a certain color because they had a favorite color. So we got the premier casket. It's like, how much is this funeral going to cost? Well, now, we thought we were conservative people. We didn't, have, we didn't have any musicians or dancers or fireworks. It was just a pretty much normal funeral except for a really expensive casket. And so $22,830 later, we were able to put them in the ground at Christmas time. We have a family member dead, but they had no life insurance. They had no money saved. It's like, this isn't right. I don't want the last thought somebody thinks about. My God, Joe sure took a lot of money on the way out. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm trying to help you. 
But I like to take his own bill out when Jesus comes, but I got a really nice spot and a nice casket picked out and it's all paid for. So I don't want anybody crying at my funeral except the fact I'm gone. After they bury me and they go eat, I want them to be real excited about finding the attorney. <laughs> Daddy left us good. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's all I'm talking about tonight. Let's stand up. Let me lay this out. You get a pencil and a piece of paper before the end of this month, and I don't care what you think. It doesn't have to be perfect. You write out a vision for your life. What do you want to do before Jesus comes? Write out a vision. I want to do this. I want to be this. I don't care how goofy it sounds. Get it on paper. You're a child of God. You wouldn't be in church now. He'll tell you if you write something stupid. Start somewhere. Number two, get a budget. Go to the insurance company. Get the forms for free. Go to the Internet. Load them for, and download them for free or get my book. They're in there in the middle. Go get the forms and fill them out. How much do I owe? How much do I own? How much to earn? Where does it go? What do I owe now? How many credit cards I got? And get it down. Go ahead and just scare yourself for the end of the month. Just scare yourself. My God, we need money. Yes, you do. I got a vision to be something. I see how much money I need and then get the scriptures. Now, you can get these CDs here off for almost nothing. They've recorded this. You can go look them up in, in your own Bible and Proverbs because they're almost all there. You can get the book. Start praying over yourself. Father, I thank you. You supply all my need. Lord, Lord, evidently, I've not been very smart financially. I've got myself in a mess. The times don't look good, but you promised you'd bless the righteous. Everything we set our hand to would prosper. And Father, I'm going to start praying every day. You're going to hear my voice every morning. Father, I thank you. You supply all my need according to your riches, glory of Christ Jesus. I believe I'm surrounded with a shield of divine favor in my place of employment. If anybody's going to get a raise, it's going to be me. Lord, I'm sorry I've cussed my boss. I'm going to pray for him. Give him the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God. If they won't change, let me have their job. And I've done that twice. I've taken my boss's job twice when I was in the second workplace. I prayed them out. Give them something better, but they're not doing good here. Get them out of here because I'll do better than they're doing. And so start believing God and get your faith in faith, faith that works is dead. If you do those three things, I'll promise you, come December this year, you'll write me a thank you because a financial miracle will take place. God does not lie. He watches over his word to perform it. Let's get a vision for our life. Quit worrying about your past. Only thing you do about your past is repent and forgive. Father, forgive me for being stupid. Forgive me for not doing better. But, Lord, I'm expecting great things. My greatest days are in front of me, not behind me. And I'll promise you, miracles will start to happen. You'll be thrilled because God does it in steps. Boom, 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 boom. Quit buying lottery tickets and start believing God. Boom, boom. And watch God show up in a great way. I believe. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Tonight, I ask you, behalf of my family and all the families that are here, Lord, forgive us of any sins we have committed against you, against our fellow man, our own flesh financially. Forgive us, Father. If we've done wrong, not done right, forgive us, wash us clean by the blood of Jesus. Renew a right mind and a right spirit within us. Father, we commit this year in your hands. We ask you, according to your word, order our steps, direct our paths, guide us into all truth. Proverbs 6, verse 20. Father, talk to us when we go to sleep. When we wake up, we walk during the day, Father. I declare your word to be true that everything we set our hand to is going to prosper. But, Father, this year more than ever, let us begin to develop a prosperous soul. Give us a hunger for your word like never before. We're going to begin to think your thoughts, Father, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we're going to think your thoughts, that we are the apple of your eye. We're going to think your thoughts, Father, that we're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath, that everything we do is going to prosper. We're going to be like those in Luke. In the last days, we're going to be eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage, buying, selling, building, and planting. It's going to be good for us, Father, all the way to the day Jesus comes. We're going 
going to help the poor. We're going to help the orphans. We're going to help the unemployed. We're going to visit those in prison. We're going to help the sick. Father, we're going to be givers and sowers and reapers, for we're going to be blessed, and we're going to finish our life strong. For that tonight we say thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a hand clap, would you? Praise God. Amen.